0: So today we are in week four of our sermon series called Living Sacrifice. And what we're doing in this series is we make our way through the dark season of Lent to the light of Resurrection Sunday. Is delving into what it really looks like to live Christian. Or as Paul describes it, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Now, so far what we've learned about what it looks like to live our lives as a sacrifice, is that first of all, we're being called to be a part of the body of Christ or devoted members of a church because the truth is there is no such thing as an individual Christian. You can't do this thing on your own. According to Paul, according to Jesus, according to the whole New Testament, being a Christian means you're associated with the body of Christ. Next, we discovered that we're being called to be a people, and I think this is the foundational piece, Who love like Jesus loved. The people who put the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of others first. Because if we will put love first, if love is our foundation, then everything else in the Christian life follows from that. But now that we've established our foundation on the church and in love, today what we're going to be doing to mix things up a bit is we're going to be wrestling with this very interesting scripture about how we as Christians are to live in relationship to the government. That's right, my friends. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic today, politics and religion. You guys are supposed to cheer. (laughs) No, 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 don't really do it. But instead of presenting you with the definitive answer on this teaching, because the truth is this is something I'm wrestling with, I'm going to present to you two different ways of understanding this teaching and then propose a kind of blended way to make sense of what Paul is calling us to do in this scripture. I'm going to do this all the while trying to keep my job. So we'll vote at the end whether I can stay or leave and all that stuff. It'll be fun. So either way, you're going to enjoy your time. You're either going to see me go down in flames or or you'll get something out of it. It's going to be awesome. So here we go. Paul begins in Romans 13, 1 through 4. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Again, I need to read that again because that's such a dense passage. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now, if you were to read and interpret this teaching at the most literal level, it seems quite apparent that according to Paul, all governments have been created and given authority by God. Which means as subjects of these authorities, our job is not to resist or fight against, but to submit. And if we choose not to submit, we're not only fighting against the government itself, but we're fighting against the will of God. Whoever resists what God has appointed, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. Now, in one sense, I think what Paul is getting at here is something we would all agree with, because there's no doubt there needs to be laws. There needs to be laws that all of us have to follow. Like, don't murder, don't punch people in the face, don't steal, don't drink and drive, you've got to care for your children. Because without laws like this and many more, our world and our lives would be absolute chaos. Which is exactly what Paul goes on to explain. He says this, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what's wrong, you should be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject not not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. Or God didn't create governments to terrorize its people, but to help people to live together in safety and in harmony. So if you don't want to live in fear of the authority, then keep the rules. Because if you don't keep the rules, you're going to pay the price. And again, all because government authorities have been established by God and are being used by God as his servant to bring order to our lives. Paul concludes by saying this For the same reason you also pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing pay to all what is due to them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, in honor to whom honor is due. Follow the laws. Pay your taxes, honor those who should be honored, because this is what it looks like to live Christian under any governmental authority. And again, I think most of us, when we read this passage, are on board with what Paul seems to be teaching us here, because for most part, we do need our governments to help us organize as a people. And let's just be honest, we live, it's not a perfect government, But we live under one of the best governments that the world has ever seen, and we need to be grateful for that. But, even though most of that is true, or even though that's true for the most part, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we also have some reservations about just doing what the government tells us to do, no questions asked, especially as good Americans. Or think about it this way. If our American ancestors would have interpreted Paul literally here with no wiggle room, absolutely no wiggle room, then there would be no United States of America. Because everyone would have fallen into line under the British king, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Then when it comes to the laws established through our Constitution and Bill of Rights, if people just accepted the authority of the government, no questions asked, then it would still be the case that women wouldn't have the right to vote, Slavery would be lawful. People of color would only count for three-fifths of a vote. And on and on we could go with the many laws in this country that have been changed for the better because of people not submitting to the government. Not to mention the fact that our system of government is based on the idea that if we don't like something, if we don't like a particular law, we should not only participate in nonviolent civil disobedience, we we should fight back, right, in our own ways, but we should also vote to change that law. or to really push this teaching to its furthest extremes while making everybody really, really uncomfortable. Because I know you guys are all uncomfortable. You think you're uncomfortable. Come up here and sit kind of deal, (laughs) right? Russia is a government. Putin is the leader of that government. So does this teaching really say that the Russian people should submit their lives to Putin no matter what. It makes it a whole lot less black and white when you see it in that way. Now, before you get all worked up and storm out of here, because I'm a heretic, let me share with you another possible way to interpret this teaching based not on what Paul says, but what on Paul, what Paul does. So, what you will find when you do kind of a deeper into Paul's teaching um, about Jesus and the kingdom of God, you will find that even though Paul's the one who says, let every person be subject to the authorities, Paul also is all about fighting against his government when it comes to the kingdom of God, or when it comes to what's best for the kingdom of God. Or in other words, Paul himself does not keep this teaching all of the time. And to help you see this, the absolute authority when it comes to the Roman government is the Caesar, the emperor. What this man says goes. He is the law. And some of the titles that were used for the emperor were son of God, savior, and lord of the world. I mean, you'll find inscriptions and coins with these titles all over ancient Roman artifacts. That's who was known to be the Son of God, Savior, and the Lord of the world. And the reason you find these titles being ascribed to the emperors, which seems strange to us because we always associate those titles with Jesus, is because in the Roman world, for most people at that time, the emperor was considered to be the Son of God, or or someone who was not just human, but also part divine. And considered to be the Savior in that he was the one who would bring about the salvation of the world by spreading and protecting the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. And because he was the most powerful man in the world, oftentimes they would call him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, and by the way, the Romans took these titles so seriously that if anyone declared themselves or said that someone else was a Lord, um, Son of God, or Savior... It was considered to be high treason, an offense punishable by death. Why do you think they killed Jesus? In part, it was because people were calling him these titles. That's high treason. But even though it's clearly the case that according to Rome, it's against the law to proclaim anyone other than the emperor, the son of God, the Lord and the savior of the world, what do we find Paul doing and every other Christian doing it at that time? They proclaim Jesus, not the Caesar, as the true Son of God, Lord and Savior of the world. To add to this, Paul also travels all over the Roman world proclaiming not the kingdom of Rome, but the kingdom of God and everything that Jesus stood for. Or we find Paul proclaiming God's kingdom with Jesus, not Caesar, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which again, according to Rome is considered to be high treason, one of the most egregious crimes a Roman citizen could commit. Or why do you think they crucified Paul just like they crucified Jesus, except they turned him upside down? So, now that we've walked through how Paul teaches us to submit ourselves the governmental authorities, and then how Paul didn't follow his own rules when it comes to proclaiming what's best for the kingdom of God. The question becomes, well, how do we make sense of all that? Or how are we being called to respond to the government as Christians? Well, my first answer to that question is this. I don't know. And not because I haven't done the research. But because I have. And it's confusing. It's something we have to wrestle with. It's something we have to make sense of. It's it's not as black and white as I want it to be. How many of you would like for everything to be black and white so you could relax a little bit? Anybody? Yeah. How many of you have found black and white? If you have, call me because I want to know where it is. It just doesn't seem to be the case. But even though I'm not for sure how to make sense of all of that, in all humbleness, I want to offer you a hypothesis that at this point seems to me to make the most sense. And again, please feel free to disagree. I don't think I've got it all figured out. If you've got something, please call me and let me know. So for me, at this moment, my tentative hypothesis is this. When it comes to our commitment to Jesus and this country that we love, I believe what always comes first is our loyalty, faith, and commitment to Jesus. Or like we see Paul doing through his example of proclaiming Jesus in the kingdom of God, even though it's illegal, I believe as Christians we are being called to stand up, speak out, and fight back, although never violently, for what we believe is God's will for the world, what we believe God's will for our country. But I also want to offer offer a caveat right there. We have to be really careful not to force Jesus into our particular political paradigm. Because both sides are really good at co-opting Jesus and saying, this is what Jesus believes, so this is what we need to do. But it looks very much like what they believe, and it's also the same on the other side as well. People are really good at co-opting, so we've got to get to Jesus and who He's all about. And then we need to fight for and stand up for what He taught in our time and place. But, even with all of that being true, I don't think that means we shouldn't submit ourselves to governmental authorities in most instances. Because in my opinion, most of the time, I also believe we should submit ourselves to following the laws. Because it's also the case, especially given our government. And let's be honest, our government's not perfect. It's not even close to be perfect. But it's one of the best governments the world has ever seen. And it makes for a pretty darn good life for most of us. Right? So God uses our government also to help bring his kingdom here. So I think the first thing we've got to do is we've we've got to figure out who Jesus is and what he's all about and we've got to stand up for that and fight for that. But we've also got to submit ourselves as well because God also works through our government. And the way we do that or the way I try to put all of this into my brain is for Jesus, love comes first. And this is what we talked about last week, right? For Jesus, love comes first. And if we will learn to put the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of others, if that's the place we'll start, then that will guide you in how you're supposed to respond to the government and how you live under a government and what to fight for and what to submit to. For me, that's the key. So what all that means when it comes to offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, offering our lives as a gift, is that um, I think what it looks like to live Christian in our time and place is to first of all submit to Jesus. Is to follow Jesus with everything that we are. And then submit to the governing authorities. I think it's a both and type of deal. I don't have it all figured out. I wish I did. If you've got it figured out, I need you to call me this week. Um, but I also think these are, these are topics we've got to wrestle with. Oftentimes, preachers will stay away from talking about any of this stuff because you're not supposed to talk about religion or politics in mixed company. But I think we've got to. I think we've got to wrestle with this stuff together to try to figure it out. And so I hope, what I hope for all of you, is that I've got your mind racing and now God will show up and help you understand in your time and place how you are being called to live Christian in response to our government. So are you guys ready to vote now to see if I stay? Let us pray. Father, this is always hard. It's always hard. Whenever these texts that come up that I need to preach, I start to cringe because I don't want to do it. But the truth is, is we need to do it. We need to wrestle with it. We need to face it. We need to figure out what your will is for our lives. And so today, O Lord, it is my hope and my prayer that as a people striving, to live our lives as a gift, that we will put you first in all things. That you are the true Son of God, Lord and Savior of the world. And first and foremost, our faith, our commitment is to you. But Lord, while that may be true, it's also the case that we live in this incredible country and we need to be following all those laws. We need to be a people who submit. Or or help us, O Lord, in our particular circumstances. Figure out how we're to live in response to our government. Because we need your guidance on this one. To in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.